Hello and welcome on to another episode of the ISO Ball Podcast with your host, Derek Terrio, your place to learn about the NBA on and off the court. And we got a, well, I guess it's a somewhat of an emergency pod. I mean, I'm recording this at 8.50 p.m. The trade happened somewhere around 4 Eastern time, but we, we have a trade. We have a trade to talk about, and it is James Harden heading to the Brooklyn Nets in a four-team massive deal here, uh, which includes some surprise teams and some surprise players. And so uh, we got at least four perspectives here to talk about. So let's go ahead and break this trade down for the four teams, okay? So the Brooklyn Nets are getting James Harden and James Harden only. The Houston Rockets are getting Victor Oladipo, Dante Exum, Rodion Kurutz, and they are getting a 2020 sorry, they are getting a 2021 first round pick from Brooklyn, a 2023 first round pick from Brooklyn, a 2025 pick first round pick from Brooklyn, and a 2027 first round pick from Brooklyn, and a 2021 first round pick from Cleveland via Milwaukee. So that's Milwaukee's 2022 first rounder. In addition, the, the Brooklyn Nets are also, or sorry, the, the Houston Rockets are also getting pick swap rights in 21, 23, 25, and 27 from Brooklyn. We'll talk about what this means for the Rockets in a second. The Cleveland Cavaliers, yes, the Cavs are in this trade. They are getting Torian Prince and Jared Allen. And the Indiana Pacers are getting Karis Levert and a second round pick. Wow, this is massive to say the least there. The, the, the big surprise here are, is Cleveland being the third team and the Pacers uh, folding in this trade into a four-team trade, which includes Oladipo and Levert. But let's, let's, let's talk about it from one side to the next here. So the Brooklyn Nets are getting James Harden. They're sending out Jared Allen, uh, Torian Prince, and Karis Levert to make this happen. And we'll talk about the picks when we get to the Houston section. So... Um, in terms of, you know, what this does to the Nets, you know, roster. Now, it's, it's interesting, right? Because, you know, the Brooklyn Nets already didn't have a problem scoring the basketball. You know, they didn't have uh, a problem scoring, you know, what whatsoever. You know, you have Kyrie Irving. You have Kevin Durant. You had, you know, Karis LeVert, who was doing a good job running, you know, the second unit. And, you know, I guess Dinwiddie went down, which maybe even increased the, you know, urgency for Brooklyn to do this trade. And I'm, I'm trying to look up the offensive rating right now for the the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, give me a second while I do this here. But uh, this obviously adds another dimension to Brooklyn's offense. Uh, we understand just how good uh, James Harden is. And, you know, he had looked a little bit sluggish early in the season here uh, as it pertains to, uh, you know, just the way he was playing. You know, he had that big, like, 44-point game, uh, you know, coming out of the season. But then, like, it's kind of, you know, slowly started to, you know, taper off. And uh, there was a, a viral clip of, you know, him throwing a, a five-out, basically, uh, you know, pass uh, to John Wall that basically had no chance whatsoever Um and, like, that basically showed that. And Harden also looks out of shape, this, that, and the other. But, you know, the point here is is that they're adding another offensive weapon. And was there a problem offense? No. You know, to me, no. 
And you can argue their their problem wasn't necessarily defense either. So offensively, right now the Brooklyn Nets are seventh, uh, one hundred and thirteen point four points per hundred possessions on offense. That's seventh in the league. On defense, they were averaging one hundred eight point two points per hundred possessions. That was good for eleventh. Now I think they're playing a little bit over their head defensively. Um, I think you're getting a lot from Kevin Durant. I think Jared Allen had a lot to do with that on the back line. And now you're getting rid of Jared Allen. Um, you know, Torian Prince, I wouldn't say as much has anything to do with that, but you're getting rid of Jared Allen. Uh, you're getting rid uh, of Torian Prince, who I, didn't, again, didn't think has as much to do with that. But you're you're including here uh, James Harden. And now, you know, James Harden obviously doesn't help your team defensively. We know James Harden is a good post-up defender. Uh, If you switch, if you get your big switched onto Harden in the post, uh, you're asking for trouble because Harden is sturdy down there. He's got great lower body strength. He's going to be able to do that. The problem with Harden defensively is one-on-one in the perimeter, he's not necessarily prone to give the most effort. And in pick and roll, he doesn't get through a screen in pick and roll. When when you watch uh, Harden play in a pick and roll on defense for the Rockets, that's an automatic switch. They just switch that because Harden is not going to get make any effort to get over the screen or you know bait, uh, try to cut his guy uh, off by going under and meeting him on the other side. He doesn't do any of that. They just switch those actions. So now you're adding that to the Brooklyn Nets lineup, and so. You know, my problem with the Brooklyn Nets coming into the season was who is this wing stopper? Who is this stopper on the wing that is going to get them, uh, you know, guard the best threes and fours, you know, in the Eastern Conference when it matters most? And that is based, that was my question coming into the year for Brooklyn. Uh, and unfortunately, it remains a question. You know, they, they didn't necessarily address it. Now, they basically, what the Brooklyn did here is double down on their strength. They basically said, we are going to be so good on offense that we can just outscore teams every night. We can play in the 140s and basically just trust our team defensive scheme uh, to be able to, uh, you know, get wins and and trust that just uh, playing as a five-man unit, understanding that there's no elite defender uh, amongst uh, this group uh, should be enough to get it done. And you know what? They might be right. They honestly might be right. That That is a proposition that isn't the craziest in the world. You know, my problem is, is that I just, I, I'm, I'm worried that, you know, when it, come, when it comes to playoff time, Kyrie's going to get hunted. Harden's going to get hunted. You know, Joe Harris is going to get hunted. Landry Shamit might get hunted. Uh, you, know, uh, you know, these are the type of, Jeff Green could get hunted to some extent. Like, there's too many guys who you can point out from the other team's offensive perspective and just say, yeah, I want that guy on me because that guy can't guard me. That sort of thing. So that is what worries me the most. But you know what? There's a, There could be a very big possibility that, you know, maybe, you know, in the playoffs, you know, reputation as a defender, you know, maybe you just buy in. Maybe this is just a chance for Harden to just say, you know what? You know, I don't have to do everything on offense for the first time in 10 years. I've got an all-world player in Kevin Durant. I've got an all-world isolation player in Kyrie Irving. You know, maybe he's okay to finally just get some catch-and-shoot opportunities and put more of his effort into the, into the defensive end. You know, that is certainly a possibility here with James Harden. He's playing with his buddy, Kevin Durant. Now, he was also playing with his buddy, Russell Westbrook, uh, last year, and that really didn't help his defensive effort. So um, I'm hard-pressed to believe that playing with Kevin Durant will do, you know, anything different to Harden's, you know, defensive effort, in my opinion at least. But I think there is a plausible... 
and possible scenario where Harden, you know, uh, saves some of his energy on offense, defers a little more to Katie and Kyrie, and then uses that energy to buy in on uh, the Nets' defensive strategy and, and apply more defensive effort. I think that that's possible. However, I'm going to lean towards my preseason theory that there is there is no stopper on the wing for the Brooklyn Nets that's going to guard the best wings in the East. The Jalen Browns, the Giannis's, the Jason Tatums, the Jimmy Butlers, the Bam out of Bios. There's nobody there uh, to guard those level of players. And, uh, and that worries me. I'll straight up say it. That worries me for the Brooklyn Nets. That would be my biggest worry for them. Um, and I think, I, I think another thing that we have to consider is just Jared Allen, you know, uh, obviously Deandre Jordan, uh, you know, there was this whole debate about should he be starting and is this a little bit of nepotism given the fact that he was clearly brought on because he was a, a friend of, uh, James Harden's or sorry, not James Harden's of Kevin Durant's and Kyrie Irving's, you know, he got that, uh, four year, $40 million deal in large part because, uh, of his friendship with them. And, you know, now he is the starting center despite clearly, in my opinion, being a uh, a worse center than uh, a guy like Jared Allen, who was a, a great defensive center, uh, who was really developing. I think he was on the last year. Was he on the last year um, of his deal? I'll check that in a second. Last year before restricted free agency, at least. And so you, he's going to be cost-controlled going forward to whatever team uh, he ends up on. And, you know, in my opinion here, you know, that's a big loss. That That is a guy that I don't think that the Brooklyn Nets had to include in this trade. And they did anyway. And so now they're relying on basically DeAndre Jordan as your traditional center and Jeff Green as your backup small ball center uh, to get it done here, you know, for Brooklyn. And yes, maybe they signed somebody off the street. Uh, they still got a roster spot to fill, if I'm not mistaken. And they, they, they definitely still could do that. But I just think, personally, that you know the defense suffers a little bit. The defense suffers adding James Harden and taking away uh, Jared Allen. And I think that that is a worry uh, for me personally. Now they're doubling down on their ability to score and outscore teams every night, but they're, they've also you know somewhat doubled down on their ability to say, hey, we don't need an elite wing defender. We're going to trust our team defense to get it done. And like I said before, I think that's possible. I think that there's a scenario where their 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 overall team defense and team buy-in, uh, led by you know Steve Nash and uh, you know the coaching staff there, does get it done. Uh, but at the same time, I think that there is uh, a worry that uh, you know all this scoring, all it takes is a couple guys to go cold in a crucial game five or game six, and uh, and and things can go bad. So overall, I I, I like the trade for the Brooklyn Nets. I think you know. We've seen this scenario before with the the Kevin Garnett Paul Pierce uh, trade, you know, back in 13-14 when uh, you know they went to the second round and then they basically mortgaged their future, um, and you know it took them a long time to get out of this hole. Now I think the difference here is Harden uh, is significantly better than those guys. He's younger than those guys, if I remember correctly, and uh, he's he's got two years under team control. So he basically, uh, if I'm not mistaken, if this cap sheet will load, which it is, it is not. Um, I think that Harden's contract mat- matches up with the window of that of Kyrie and Katie, which means they have this year and next year at least uh, to get something done, uh, which is which is encouraging to know that you have a second year here to get a shot at it. 
uh, especially in a non-coronavirus environment and all that good stuff. So I do think it's a good trade for Brooklyn. Um, you know, it's a boomer bust. It's definitely a boomer bust trade, but those are the types of trades you have to make to win championships sometimes. And I think that it's a good overall uh, risk because I think in the end, you know, maybe not this year, but I think one of these next two years, I think Brooklyn is going to win the chip personally. And if that's the case, then it's all worth it. And if not, well, then it wasn't worth it. Uh, this is one of those. This is one of those uh, trades that a championship defines. You know its success, so that's that's basically the way that this works. And yes, uh, just to confirm that James Harden's uh, window does line up with that of Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. All three have player options uh, in the 2022-2023 offseason. So this year and next year is the window. After that, who knows what happens? Okay, let's move on here to the Houston Rockets. Now the Houston Rockets. Most importantly, from Tillman Fertitta's perspective, they get out of the tax. The Houston Rockets are out of the luxury tax. What a surprise. They are not paying the tax this year. They instead are going to get Oladipo, Exum, and Kuroots. And basically, Brooklyn's first round pick, basically, from, from, from 2021 all the way to 2027. That's basically what, what it is here. They've got, they've got uh, pick swaps. From 2021, 2027, and then real picks, you know, unprotected first round picks in between. Um, so this is this is what the uh, Brooklyn has done. They've mortgaged their future all the way out until basically 2027, where the Rockets basically can decide if they want their pick all the way out that far. And you know, like <laughs> this is this is interesting. Like, you know what I you know what I mean? Because Brooklyn, the Brooklyn Nets, you know, they their window is only guaranteed. For this year and next year. After 2022-2023, you know, Harden, Durant, and Kyrie all have player options. All could walk out. All could walk away from their current deals and play for another team. That means that for the next four years, you could be... Somebody else could have your unprotected first-round pick for the next four years uh, with a team that that has no superstar. That is a scenario that could happen. That is a scenario that could happen. You've got to convince Kyrie to stay. You got to convince Harden to stay. You know, in this scenario, and you got to uh, convince Durant to stay, or at least one of the three, hopefully two of the three, because that is disaster zone. Uh, if you don't win a championship this year, next year, and you've got to give up your pick for the next like four, three or four years minimum to the Houston Rockets unprotected, that it could be a just a disaster. Uh, situation here and uh, the Rockets also are going to get the 2022 first round pick you know from the Cleveland Cavaliers which is a nice uh, piece of business there as well for for Houston um, just to pick up that pick really quickly not having to give uh, basically anything up other than you know uh, your superstar player James Harden so they get the the massive load of picks they turn Karis Levert you know into Victor Oladipo which was the original trade uh, which was Karis Levert uh, heading uh, back to the Rockets. They turn him into Victor Oladipo, who's got one year left on his deal at $21 million. They turn into Dante Exum, also one year left at $9 million. And then Rodion Kuruks, who basically is, I'm pretty sure at this point, he's a non-guarantee, uh, if I'm not mistaken. And that's for $1.7 million there. So, you know, a lot of money going to be coming off the books for the Houston Rockets, uh, uh, other than, you know, John Wall, uh, let me actually just bring up their cap sheet really quick. So other than uh, pretty much John Wall, um, they got Eric Gordon, Christian Wood. is basically all they have on their roster going out 
after this year. And then they got Daniel House on about $4 million. And then, yeah, Rodion Kuruks basically has a team option for $1.8. That's all the guaranteed money they have out past this year is John Walls, Eric Gordon, Christian Wood, Daniel House. That's it. So they've got a clean slate here uh, with, you know, a couple nice guys that they've taken a look at, mainly uh, Jay Sean Tate, who's looked good uh, in his limited minutes. And they've got just a buttload here of draft picks, uh, which is, uh, you know, uh, some of it, some of it is recouping their lost picks from the Westbrook trade, which is good. But, you know, they have picks going forward to start this rebuild uh uh, with, for the Houston Rockets, along with, you know, if you can bring back Oladipo as well to pair alongside, excuse me, John Wall, uh, that would be very good. Um, I think that that would probably be something you'd be looking to do. And Christian Wood is under contract for the next three years, uh, two years after this one. So you've got a nice little young core here that you can build around if you're the Houston Rockets. Uh, you got the massive haul for James Harden, even though he said he didn't want to be there, um, which was, which is, you know, very good. And, you know, if the Houston Rockets, you know, I don't know what direction this is going to take them in terms of their roster uh, is, you know, what does a roster with, you know, John Wall, Victor Oladipo, Eric Gordon, you know, Christian Wood, Dante Exum, P.J. Tucker, uh, Daniel House, Macklemore, Caboclo, David Nwaba, uh, Kuruks, Cousins, Jay Shantae. What does a roster like this look like in the Western Conference? Is this a playing type of team? You know, if so, like, I think it might be worth it to just, uh, you know, fall back, you know, and just try to get a good pick this year. So at least uh, you're able to, uh, you know, have a nice rookie in, in what seem, in what looks to be a fantastic draft class here moving forward to, uh, to start that rebuild and have a nice rookie to pair alongside these guys. I think that that would probably be something I would be looking to do if I were the Houston Rockets. Um, but overall, you know, a lot of the, a lot of these are picks, right? So like, it's tough to, you know, you know, gauge what these picks are going to be, but to get picks from 2021, the Brooklyn pick basically from 2021 all the way to 2027, uh, and get Milwaukee's 2022 first rounder, I think is a nice piece of business here for the Rockets. I think the Rockets did really good here in this trade. Uh, also to get, uh, you know, they obviously wanted Victor Oladipo, something about him. Uh, clearly intrigued uh, the Rockets to give him up for Karis LeVert. That's fine. Uh, I don't think that that personally is a big deal. I think, you know, Karis LeVert, as much as I do like him, uh, I don't necessarily, you know, think that he's going to be a massive superstar. I personally, I think Victor Oladipo, even with his injury, uh, has, uh, a, uh, I don't know if he has more upside than Karis LeVert, actually. I'd have, to, I'd have to think about that one again. Maybe LeVert actually does have a little bit more uh, upside than Oladipo, but I don't mind getting Oladipo. I'm a big, uh, I'm a, I'm a big Victor Oladipo guy. Uh, and for one year, for $21 million, you bring him in, you see what he can do, let's see if he can be part of this core going forward of, uh, uh, of John Wall, Eric Gordon, uh, and Christian Wood. And, and uh, maybe P.J. Tucker, if they can bring him back, although I don't think that he's too happy there uh, in Houston and he's getting up there in age. So, you know, bringing in Oladipo for one year just to see what he can do I don't think is the worst thing in the world. Um, would I rather have Oladipo for one year or Karis LeVert for three at $16 million? I think I'd probably actually rather have Karis LeVert for three years under team control. I think that's actually a really good contract. Uh, so I think in that case, I think they might have made a mistake just given the fact that I think Karis LeVert's a little younger. Uh, you know, he has had some injuries in the past, but I do think he has, uh, you know, about equal to a little bit more upside uh, than Oladipo. And he's under a fantastic contract, uh, $16.2 this year. I think it underpays 
uh, Karis LeVert. And I think he could be that on-ball creator uh, for them for the next you know few years alongside uh, a guy like John Wall, uh, uh, even if you want to bring DeMarcus Cousins back, but also uh, Christian Wood uh, and Eric Gordon. So, you know, maybe a, maybe a mistake, not a, a big one if they did uh, there for the Houston Rockets, but the, the, the collection of picks I think is just absolutely fantastic for Houston. I think they did a great job uh, accumulating uh, as many draft assets as they possibly could for a guy like Harden. I think they uh, the Houston Rockets did well here. Uh, I just don't know where they where this puts them, you know, as it pertains to uh, this season and what they're looking like. I don't know what this team looks like. I'll have to I'll have to watch them on the court and see how they gel together and see how the pieces fit. But I think this team could be a playing team, could be uh, uh, a late seed in the playoffs, one of those two. Uh, but we'll have to see because right now I have no idea how this fits on the court. Okay, you know, the Cleveland Cavaliers, you know, snuck in here and basically just said, oh, yeah, we'll take Torian Prince off your hands, Brooklyn Nets, uh, but we're also going to go ahead and take Jared Allen and then uh, give up uh, basically a late first-round pick, which is Milwaukee's 2022, uh, over to Houston. And I think that was a fantastic get here for the Cleveland Cavaliers. I think it was very good business for Kobe Altman to just go in there and say, hey, you know, this guy, you're going to trade? Uh, Jared Allen. Oh no, we'll take him. You know, he's a restricted free agent next, next season. Um, uh, now about to be properly paid, obviously, but this is a guy that's only 22 years old, a fantastic defensive center, a guy that they're looking for, uh, to, you know, get some presence in the middle. We know Andre Drummond is no long-term solution there, uh, in Cleveland. Uh, neither is, you know, JaVale McGee. Uh, and base and you know Thon Maker is like hardly a center, and you know Kevin Love's uh, you know still more of a four or five. So to get you know Jared Allen, hopefully you know you, you got his match rights on him. You can you and you know Cleveland's books are wide open. I mean they obviously had that Kevin Love contract on their books, uh, which uh, is not looking like a good one right now. But after that, I mean you got you got guys on rookie scales for days here. Uh, and you can really pay Jared Allen what he's worth to make him your defensive anchor at 22 years old, uh, to a, a center that you can, uh, you know, kind of build guys around, play pick and roll with, uh, have as a lob threat. I think that's a super valuable piece for Cleveland to pick up in this trade, and they did it for basically just taking on Torian Prince and giving up a late first round pick uh, to Milwaukee of uh, Milwaukee's, uh, you know, late first. That's going to probably be somewhere in the late 20s. Uh, and to get and to give that up to get a guy like Jared Allen, I think that that was one of the best piece of businesses, pieces of business I should say in this trade. Uh, it makes Cleveland better. Yes, they have a lot of forwards, uh, four fives. They have Kevin Love, Andre Drummond, Larry Nance, uh, Jared Allen, Javale McGee, Thon Maker. Like they have a like that's six guys that you know should be getting minutes uh, at the and Chetty Osman. You could argue is a four, uh, probably more of a three actually. So. Maybe not him, but, you know, a lot of guys that should get minutes at the 4-5, and some of these guys' minutes are going to get cut, uh, and I think there might be some cuts to be made here uh, for Cleveland because I think they're over the roster limit, if I'm not mistaken. Let's count this. One, two, three. Okay, let's go through the roster, actually. Kevin Love, Andre Drummond, Torian Prince, Larry Nance, Chetty Osman, Darius Garland, Isaac Coral, Colin Sexton, JaVale McGee, Jared Allen, Dylan Windler, Damian Dodson, Kevin Porter, Matthew Dellavedova, Thon Maker, Dean Wade, Lamar Stevens, and Marquise Bolden. That's 18 guys. Uh, your max is 17 players on roster this year, so they are going to have to make one cut. Uh, and I'm not sure who that is uh, going to be. I don't know if it's going to be one of the two-way guys 
uh, or whether or not they say, okay, we just have too many forwards. We'll just give up on, uh, you know, maybe, you know, wave and stretch JaVale McGee, try to move uh, JaVale to another team. Uh, maybe, you know, attach a second to him or something just to get off him. Something. We'll see. Uh, we'll see how they want to do this. Uh, do this, But I think Cleveland getting Jared Allen is a is a nice piece of business. Like, I, I really can't say this enough. I think that they did fantastic in this trade to be able to go and get, you know, Jared Allen for, you know, basically nothing, uh, given the fact that he's going to be worth more than whatever the pick is they gave up and just taking on Torian Prince's $12 million for a couple of years. So, uh, great work, piece of work by Cleveland. You know, already defensively, they were, you know, fantastic. They're still number one in the league. Uh, as I, uh, you know, uh, 12 games in, as I read this, 104.7 defensive rating. Uh, that's tied with the Lakers for first in the NBA. That's surely only going to get better. Now, again, last in offense, 99.8 uh, offensive rating is last in the NBA. Does, can Jared Allen help you there? Maybe. Maybe he can do something there, uh, you know, set some better screens for, you know, guys like uh, Sexton and Garland to come off of. Uh, maybe hopefully, and Kevin Love's kind of been injured. Hopefully they can get him back. He's going to be able to provide a little bit more offense. So we'll see what happens to the Cavs here, but I like this move of grabbing Jared Allen for Cleveland, in my opinion. I think that was a sneaky, underrated get in this whole trade, and I think that's going to benefit them tremendously down the line, and they gave up very little to do it. Okay, finally, the Indiana Pacers uh, grab basically a second-round pick and Karis LeVert, mainly the thing we're going to talk about Karis LeVert here. So the Pacers, I thought, also did very good um, in this trade as well. They are actually, uh, you know, they reduced their cap by $4.7 million and actually get out of the tax in this cap move. So they, um, uh, the Pacers were just slightly in the tax. They got out of it by swapping Oladipo for LeVert. And, you know, I think this was a good swap for them. You know, Oladipo at $21 million uh, this season was set to enter unrestricted free agency at the end of the year. I think to get a guy like Karis LeVert who, you know, has a lot of Victor Oladipo in him. I think Victor Oladipo probably uh, a little bit more, you know, athletic. I think uh, Oladipo is probably better at getting to the rim, maybe a little bit more efficient than Karis LeVert. Um, but you know, a similar ball handler, I think Harris Silver might be a little bit of a better passer, probably a better pick and roll player. Um, and you know, he's younger and he's, you know, under a contract of, you know, 6.2 million this year. Let me look at Karis Silver's exact deal here. So Karis Silver makes six, 16.2 million this year, 17.5 next year, 18.7 the year after. So he's under, he's under cross control for under $20 million with a rising cap you know, for the next three years. And I think that that's just great value for a guy like Levert. I'm big on Karis Le- I'm big on Old Depot, but I'm also big on Karis Levert. Uh, I think it's good to have him on their roster to pair with Turner uh, and Sabonis and Brogdon uh, and, you know, and TJ Warren when he comes back. You know, this this continuity that they're building here uh, in Indiana is, is something to behold. And, you know, Indiana have been playing great this year. Like right now they are 10th in defensive rating at 107.8. And on offense, I'm going to search, search up real quick. Where is Indiana on offense? Okay, while, while I look for this. Uh, but basically, it, it just basically gives them another, you know, pick and roll threat. It gives them another guy who can handle the ball. Uh, and maybe you can even move Malcolm Brogdon off the ball uh, a little bit, which might help them. Indiana right now, 8th in offensive rating, 112.6. Uh, so they've been playing great basketball, and I think Karis LeVert only helps them uh, in that area. 
So uh, yeah, I think that's a, I think it's a great grab, mostly for the age and contract security, like team control going forward for the Pacers. I think that that was the main, you know, benefit for them uh, from Indiana's perspective. Uh, and I think they get a good impact player uh, in a guy like Karis LeVert. Okay, so that was all four teams. This is a ma- this is a massive deal. Like this is going to have ripple effects, you know, for a long time, especially with the Houston picks you know, being uh, the main thing that's going to drive that there. And so uh, I can't help but look at Brooklyn, the Brooklyn Nets tax bill. Uh, you know, the Brooklyn Nets in this trade, they added four, $7.1 million in salary. And according to Nate Duncan and Danny LaRue's sheets here, they are $53 million over the cap, $30 million over the tax, and they're going to pay – million in tax and the team's salary plus luxury tax this season is $250 million. That is just absolutely astronomical here for the Brooklyn. And they only have 12 players on roster. They only have 12 players. They have to fill at least like two or three more spots here to hit the minimum or like three spot or at least, at least two spots here to fit the fit the minimum, which means you're going to have to add salary. Now they do have a disabled player exception uh, that they got from Spencer Dinwiddie's injury. That should be, uh, you know, something around, you know, the $5.7 million range. Uh, Bobby Marks had it here. I'm looking for it. Uh, yeah. So they, they still have their, uh, their taxpayer mid level at 5.7 million. They've got the minimums and they've got, uh, likely a 5.7 million disabled player exception. So they do have some ways to add players, you know, to the team without affecting their tax. Again, remember the exceptions uh, being the tax pyramid level and the disabled player exception do not impact your tax bill. They only impact uh, what you have under the salary cap. And so uh, I think that's just, that's huge. Uh, just a major takeaways. Uh, Brooklyn is going to be paying a massive amount of tax this year. Uh, and going forward <laughs> with this Harden, with this Harden trade, they're gonna they're gonna be in the ta- they're gonna be in the tax for a little bit here. Uh, from you know Cleveland's perspective, very nice get uh, to get uh, Jared Allen again. I'm gonna I'm gonna say that over and over. I think that that was one of the better gets of this trade. You know, Brooklyn obviously they're boomer bust at this point. It's either win the championship in the next two years or they're gonna feel the effects of this for a long time. Uh, I don't feel like there's really any in between here like Keith Smith has a tweet here uh, that I just saw and I think this is like pretty accurate uh, in terms of my my early thoughts so he says Brooklyn home run swing has a chance to deliver a ball up probably no in between I tend to agree with that I think that that's exactly spot on when it comes to Brooklyn uh, but I do think that you know they have two years to win this championship so I think uh, one of those two years I think they could do it personally he says Indiana did great out of the tax a good player for this year, plus two more. That's basically what how I viewed it too. You get a you get a good player in Karis LeVert under team control at a good contract, and you got out of the tax. I think that that basically uh, sums up what I had said as well. Uh, Cleveland, he says, Allen for a late first that isn't their own pick is good work. I tend to agree. Uh, again, remember that's that uh, that's that Milwaukee pick from what I understand, uh, which is going to be a late first at the best, and they get you know Jared Allen uh, cost controlled. Not cost control, but match rights, I should say, uh, so they can keep him on the roster for, you know, uh, whatever the offer sheet they were to come in. Uh, they can keep him for that. 
And Houston, uh, control of eight picks. Wow, he says. And yeah, that's pretty much what, what I, uh, how I look at it too. Like they have now just a stupid ton of picks and pick swaps to, uh, you know, to refuel a rebuild there now that James Harden is gone. Uh, and they've, you know, they've got all the scenarios in the world to do so. And, you know, if, um, if Kyrie, Katie, and Harden, uh, or most of them don't come back in that 22 23 season where they're all have player options that they're all likely to opt out of. Well, then those Brooklyn picks could be looking like some of the most valuable assets in the NBA and they have, they're going to have like four of them. So I think that that is just infinitely valuable for the Houston Rockets to have that. And, you know, all it takes is uh, one Brooklyn slip up and the Houston Rockets are picking in, uh, you know, good territory for the next, uh, you know, close to half decade here. So great, great grab for them. Great haul for James Harden. I think they, uh, they got what they, um, they got what they should get for a guy uh, of James Harden's caliber. Okay. Thank you for listening to this, you know, somewhat emergency pod, but not really because I didn't, Record it immediately after the trade, as opposed to like four hours later. But nonetheless, massive trade in the NBA here. Excited to watch all four of these teams as all four have uh, some now some new intrigue to them. Obviously, Harden on Brooklyn. You've got Oladipo now uh, playing next to Wall and Christian Wood there for the Rockets. Uh, you've got uh, Jared Allen anchoring the defense now, an already good defense now for Cleveland. And now you have Karis LeVert being inserted to an already good uh, Indiana Pacers lineup to see how he could fit there. So I'll be watching all four of these teams, no doubt. Big trade sends ripple effects across the league and makes this season just that much more interesting. Uh, And uh, we will see uh, how it continues with these four teams and the rest of the league going forward. So thanks so much for listening, and we're going to talk again very soon. Till then.